This is the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast, where we explore the beauty of Judaism, the depth of Jewish wisdom, and how to live a more empowered life. Hello again, friends. Welcome back to the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast. My name is Rabbi Shlomo Buxbaum, and I am so happy that you are here joining us again for another important episode of Learning Torah Together, especially ideas that connect, that relate to a very powerful time of year that we are in right now. This is called the three weeks that we're in, the three weeks of mourning, if you will. These are three weeks of, I don't want to say sadness, because I feel like as a Jew, we have to be happy, right? Mitzvah Gedola, Leos Besimcha, it is a great mitzvah to be um, happy, tamid all the time. Ivdu es Hashem besimcha. We're supposed to serve God with joy. So never stop being happy. It's. It, I don't want to call it three weeks of sadness, but it is three weeks of intense reflection, intense awareness that we, as the Jewish people, we are missing something. We're missing something. There's something missing. This is not. We're not in our ideal state. Because our origin, God took us out of Egypt and God brought us into the land of Israel. And about 500 years after that, under the rule of King Salman, this big temple was built. And this temple called the Beis Hamikdash. This Beis Hamikdash was this big, beautiful place where the Shekhinah, the divine presence of God, rested upon there. And anyone who would go there would feel elevated and inspired. It was meant to be this mega universal spiritual center that wasn't just for the Jewish people, but that would send out its light. Light that would radiate onto the world to ultimately inspire the world into a state of higher consciousness where everyone was aware of God, all nations, all everyone working together, everyone in their own way with their own set of laws and traditions, but ultimately all to bring sanctification to, uh, to, to Hashem, to God. So that was the goal of King Solomon building this temple. That was the ultimate goal of what could potentially have brought humanity to the state of higher consciousness that we, that's part of the game plan. That's part of the master plan. This whole game that we're playing called humanity is all about getting back to the Garden of Eden, getting back to this higher consciousness, perfecting the world. And that was the goal of the temple. And while the temple stood, at least early on, it had that impact. But slowly, slowly, because of the decline of the state of the Jewish people in Israel, ultimately after a little bit over 400 years, the first temple was destroyed. After 70 years of exile, there was a second temple, never quite the same rulership. The Jewish people never fully had control of the land of Israel. We were always under either the the Greeks or the Romans or, you know, all sorts of different other kingdoms. And that had its effect. And ultimately, after a little bit over 400 years again, the second temple was destroyed. And that really closed the door, at least for that era, of being able to bring humanity to that state that we spoke about earlier. And therefore, for the last over 2,000 years, the Jewish people are in exile. But it's not just the Jewish people are in exile. The world is not what it should be. It's not what we're yearning for. And, and, and every tradition speaks about uh, this time period in the future, this messianic age, and every, re- every religion and every spiritual uh, community has its own vision even you know within within the Jewish within Torah itself, there's different interpretations as to 
you know, what 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 the, the messianic future is going to look like. But ultimately, we know that we are on a trajectory forward. We know that this is all one big journey moving forward to a time in the future that we deeply believe, deeply believe that something big is unfolding and something big is going to happen. And all of the seeds of that future are being planted right in front of our eyes. And we might not realize it or see it, or maybe we do. But at some point, everything is going to fall into place. Everything is going to make sense. And there's going to be this beautiful picture of humanity that is in our future. But until we get there, we have to pray, we have to yearn, and we also have to reflect on the past and what could have been and what we don't have. So we dedicate three weeks of the year to reflect upon the temple, to think about the temple, to think about our less than ideal state. So in this podcast, what we're trying to do is try to bring the Holy Temple, try to bring the Beis HaMikdash into our own personal service of God. And specifically, we're working on prayer because our sages make many references to the fact that prayer today is what has replaced temple service. And and, and, and when we say it replaced it, Maybe that's not even the right word. It's in its place. So that when we pray as Jews, and it's such an integral part of Jewish life, but when we pray, we're focusing on the temple. We're actually trying to recreate the temple, even though we can't be there physically, but at least in our inner world. And in your inner world, you can be wherever you want to be. Uh, that's the, the the beauty. That's a great line of 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 the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov says, "Where is a person? Where are you? Where are you right now? You're driving in your car, listening to this podcast. Right? Where are you right now? You're wherever your heart is. You're wherever your mind is. And therefore, virtually, or at least you know, in in, in the inner, in your mind's eye, you can transport yourself to wherever you want to be, and you can." Um, you can tap into the energy of that place. And therefore, when a person is praying, if you close your eyes and you visualize and you try to plug yourself in, this is what the Talmud means. When the Talmud says, Yechavin libo, a person should set his intention on the place of the temple, on Temple Mount, right? That when a person is praying, we want to close our eyes and transport ourselves into this place of the temple. And if we do that and we do it properly and we do it with full kavanah, with full intention, then yes, we can actually tap in to the holiness, the energy of the temple, and infuse our prayers, infuse our souls with the holiness of the temple. So that's a very, very powerful idea. And, um, and you know, even again, that alone, you know, if we just stopped over there, that already gives you something to sink your teeth into. But what we're trying to do in this podcast series is to actually show how our sages design the morning service, shachris, how they designed it and how they actually set it up to be a temple experience. So the more that you understand the model, the framework of what was behind the structure of the holy temple, and you can align that with the structure and the stages of the morning prayer, suddenly now you actually see when you're opening up your prayer book, when you're opening up the siddur, and you're going through prayer, something amazing happens. And that is that suddenly every page you feel like every turning of the page is another Another step deeper and deeper into the temple. So in the last episode of this podcast, we pointed out that the Beis Hamikdash, the temple, 
if you break it down, if you want to really understand sort of the, the overall blueprint of it, we want to take a look back at the temple before it was built in Jerusalem, but the tabernacle in the Mishkan, the Mishkan, the tabernacle, which was the portable temple that Moshe built while the Jewish people were still wandering in the desert. Tabernacle was the temple in its simplest form. So that's able, so we're, we're able to, to identify what are the main sections of the temple? And then all future temples were sort of built around that, understanding that these are the main sections. And then everything else was sort of built, you know, built, built upon that with other uh, you know, symbols and ideas. So when we take a look at the Mishkan, we see that the Mishkan had three main sections and kind of like a hidden fourth section. When you would enter into the Mishkan, into the walls of the Mishkan, so you would first be in a courtyard, and that courtyard would be the place where temple sacrifices, temple offerings were brought. Then you would go into a deeper section. The next section would be the sanctuary. That would be the place where the menorah was, the shulchan, the table with the showbread that stood on it, another altar where incense was brought. And then if you went even deeper, the third section would be the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies, that's where the Ark of the Covenant, the Aron, was. And standing on top of the Aron were these keruvim, these cherubs. And that is where prophecy in between the, 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 these two keruvim, these two child angel statues, in between that, that is where prophecy descended into the world. So anytime that a prophet was having a prophetic experience or Moshe or, or, or Aaron, Aaron, when they entered into the Mishkan, right, they were, they were setting their intention on this little space in between these Kruvim. And that is where prophecy, where Nivuah would enter into the world. So when we say that there are three sections, we say the three the three sections are the courtyard, the sanctuary, and the holy of holies. But a fourth hidden section was the space, the kruvim, and the space in between the kruvim where prophecy entered into the world. And when we move over now to the siddur, to the prayer book, to the morning service, we also see that there are four sections. The first section is the morning blessings, as well as reciting karbanos, reciting uh, quotes from the Torah of what the temple, what the morning temple service would look like. So the morning blessings are pretty much just an acknowledgement that uh, about the the world that we live in, that God gave us back a soul, and that everything hopefully works properly. And that packaged together with reciting these verses that speak about the daily temple service. That is section number one. That sort of greases our wheels. It gets us into the mindset of prayer. Then we go into the next section, Psuke de Zimra, verses of song, a much more festive part of prayer where we speak about singing to God and praising God, hallelujahs and shira and zimra, all these different terms of praise and song and and beautiful imagery of how the entire, all of nature, the mountains and the skies and the rivers and everything sings a song of God and is very festive and poetic. Then we get to the next section, which is Shema, the recital of the Shema and the buildup of the Shema, actually another song that we sing leading up to the Shema, this time the song of angels, Kadosh, 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 right? All the things that the angels sing daily to God leading up to reciting the Shema, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, listen, all of Israel, Hashem, who is our God, Hashem is one, we, 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 we proclaim the oneness of God, we move on and we say, Hashem, we speak about loving God, 
And then we get to the climax of our morning prayer, the Amidah, the standing prayer, Shemona Esrei, which we say standing and silent. And those are the 18 blessings where we ask God for all of our needs, um, for us, for the Jewish people, for humanity. And these four sections correspond to one another. So we have the morning blessings and Korbanot that correspond to the courtyard. We have Psuke de Zimra, verses of song that correspond to the sanctuary. We have the Shema that corresponds to the Holy of Holies. And then we have the Shemona Esrei that corresponds to the place of prophecy that descended in between the two Kruvim. And as I mentioned last time, different commentaries line it up slightly differently, but that is the approach that we are going to go with. Now, what I, what I would like to do right now is build on this model a little bit just to really, really make it a much more powerful experience for us because the model is somewhat bigger than what I just said. There are other parts to it. So if you're sitting there and you're jotting all of this down, as I hope you are, you know, even when you're at, at a red light, you know, just, you know, grab a pen and turn to the person next to you and just kind of make a little chart on their face or something like that, you know, just to make sure that you don't forget it and that everything makes sense. So if we're trying to build out this chart, I would add another few columns. Because the beauty, whenever we're learning Pnimius HaTorah, whenever we're learning deep, Torah ideas, we like to see interconnections between different things. That's the beauty of Kabbalah. Whenever you're learning Kabbalah or anything in Pneumius Torah, the deeper aspects of Torah, Machshava, philosophy, what we like to see is patterns. We're always looking for patterns. This connects with this, and this is like this because this reflects this, right? That's the that's the that's when the we see all of Torah and all of the universe as one uh, big orchestra with everything in harmony. So what I'd like to do at this point is to build out this chart a little more and show you how this reflects other important aspects, which you can incorporate into your kavana, into your intention. And then maybe in the, in the next and final uh, episode of the series, we can actually walk through, we can go, go oh, actually open up the siddur and maybe focus on specific prayers and show how it connects to the model. The next piece over here is one that really excites me a lot because uh, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that a, a topic that I'm very excited about, that I've written on and speak about a lot, is the idea of the four elements, earth, water, wind, and fire. And I would like to bring that in over here and speak about that in the context of the morning prayer, in the context of everything that we've been speaking about up until now. In my most recent book, which came out in March, I hope that you have it. If you don't have it, now's a quick time for me to just do a quick sales pitch. You, you should buy it. That's my sales pitch. Uh, it's called The Four Elements of Inner Freedom. And uh, in not the last chapter, but in, in the second to last chapter, which is chapter 17, chapter 17 is called Sanctuary in My Heart. And the topic of that chapter is exactly what we're speaking about over here. And that is that the, the Mishkan, again, the tabernacle, the Mishkan itself, when it was built, when God tells, when God is commanding Moshe to tell the Jewish people to build this Mishkan, God says, Suli mikdash, make for me a mikdash v'shachanti b'socham, and I'm going to dwell amongst them. 
And because of that, the commentaries see that the purpose of the Mishkan wasn't just to have a house where God would dwell, but that it would be a conduit so that God would dwell inside the person. So therefore, if you think about, if you're building this temple, if you're building this space that is supposed to be symbolic of the fact that God could dwell inside of a person, it would make sense as you're artistically creating this blueprint, as you're putting together the architectural plans, you want it to somehow symbolize what it means for God to dwell within a person themselves. So therefore, it would make sense that if you look closely at the model, at the structure of the Mishkan, which again was eventually the blueprint of the Beis HaMikdash itself, the temple itself, then somehow this would reflect our inner world. And that brings us to this beautiful idea that I love of the four elements. And that, of course, is that everything, everything that exists in the physical world follows a pattern of earth, water, wind, and fire. Meaning that everything exists purely in its most physical state, that is earth. Right? So we are human beings having a human experience, worried about human problems like how do I pay my rent and eat food, and we're, we're physical beings. But that is really on the sort of like the lowest level, if you will, of our consciousness, is our, our earth level of consciousness. But then we also have water inside of us, and our water represents our emotions, our ability to our, our, our desire to embrace pleasure, to have a life full of pleasure, to run away from pain, and all of the things that fall into our emotions, love and connection and joy. And that level of consciousness, when we move beyond just our physical existence, we are emotional beings. And that is the water aspect of our inner world. And then we get to the next aspect, which is wind. And wind is our intellect beyond our earth physical selves, beyond our water emotional selves. We have a mind, wind, like the thoughts in our head. And because of that, we have a deep desire to grasp, to understand, to find meaning, to find purpose. Why am I here? What am I doing here? All of that is the wind element, our intellect, and finally our fire element beyond all of this is our desire to matter, our will, our motivation, our rut zone, our desire. I want to be something. I know that I am here with a mission, with a purpose. So those are the four elements of our inner world, earth, water, wind, fire, that correspond to physical, emotional, intellectual, and will. And therefore say the commentaries that when Hashem says, make for me a temple, a holy temple, and I will dwell amongst them, the model of that temple is the model of this human being. And therefore, the four sections of the temple correspond to the four sections that are within the human being. The courtyard which is where the, sac- the animals were sacrificed, where offerings were brought. This whole idea of, of, of animals being brought as a way to awaken ourselves. Remember that the karbanos, the offerings, right? These were not like God is sitting up there and being like, hey, I'm hungry now. What, you know, what can they give me to eat? I'd like a good steak. These were all spiritual practices. Everything that was done in the temple was meant to elevate us. How that works, obviously, is difficult for, to, for us to understand because we're not there. 
And it's hard for us to see how, you know, bringing a sacrifice or bringing incense or lighting a menorah. Well, maybe we, we, we can't see with lighting a menorah because we do it. But all of these, we do it on Hanukkah. But all of these things were meant to elevate us. So therefore, when they would bring daily sacrifices, offerings, this was a powerful experience of awakening, of spiritual awakening, spiritual elevation. And as we know, the nefesh Bahamas, the animal, the animalistic aspects of ourselves are most connected to our physical body. So therefore, this first section, the courtyard, corresponds to the earth element of ourselves, the physical aspect of ourselves. That's actually why the the um, the altar itself was was called the Mizbeach Hadama, the earth altar, was made of earth. Or at least earth was inside of it. That's how it was held. That's, that's what gave it its mass. Because the first section, the courtyard, corresponds to our physical aspect, our earth aspect. Then the second section, which we said is the Heichal, which we said is the sanctuary. That's where the menorah was. That's where the showbread was. Before we would enter into there, the Kohen, the, high, the, the priest, would actually have to wash his hands, wash his legs in, in, in the water basin. The second section, the sanctuary, corresponds to our water element, our emotion. It is there that we transcend our physical selves and that we enter into this emotional space. We'll speak about that a little bit more when we get down to the details. I just want to sort of you know lay out the structure. Then, as we got into the next section, the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies with the Ark of the Covenant, with the Aron that was inside, corresponds to our intellect. In fact, the Aron itself, it says that it has three different boxes because that's the three different membranes, the encasing of the mind, right? The brain, the Aron corresponds to the brain, which is sort of the seat of the mind, you know, inside the brain. So again, earth element is the uh, courtyard, physical realm, Water element, emotional realm is the sanctuary. Wind element, the intellect is the holy of holies. And now the fire element, which the fire element, which is our will, that corresponds to the space that was in between the Kruvim, the place where prophecy came down, the place where heaven meets earth, so to speak. And that is our will. That is the definition of who we are, our fire element. So now, we have beautiful, this, the picture is really taking shape in the most beautiful way. So now, when we pray, what, what's happening over here when we pray? Something amazing, something amazing is happening. Now, not only as we move from morning blessings to Psuke de Zimra, to Shema, to Shemona Esrei, not only are we going deeper and deeper and deeper into the temple, but something else is happening on top of that, and that is we're going deeper and deeper and deeper into ourselves. We're rising in our consciousness, moving from our earth element to our water element, to our wind element, to our fire element, moving from our place of physical to emotional, to intellectual, to just pure will, pure desire. And that further shows us how to maximize and make this prayer journey absolutely beautiful. And absolutely inspiring because these are the things that we can think about as we're going through prayer, how we can go deeper and deeper and deeper in. One final deep idea just before we finish up. And like I said, in the last episode, we'll, we'll take this and we'll work on some of the details of this. But one final idea, just let's add one more column, which we, we can't speak about too deeply, but I think it's important to know. The same way we said 
that the temple is a reflection of man. It is also important to know that within Kabbalah, man itself, we are created when, when Adam Harishon, when the first man is created, God says, let's create man in our image. And therefore we say that man is created Elokim, in the image of God. And that means many, many different things. But one aspect of that in Kabbalah is that because we know that Hashem, God, is, 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 is really omnipresent and there's nothing that we can even really do to speak about God or to try to grasp God. But the entire foundation of Kabbalah is Kabbalah is a system where God interfaces with the world by uh, concealing Himself and really uh, creating these levels of concealment, these levels of clothing, that through all these clothing, through all these filters, now suddenly we God's presence can be felt for us extremely powerful, in an extremely powerful way, but in a way that we can digest it. And Kabbalah speaks, when Kabbalah gives names to these filters, to these clothing, or what Kabbalah calls olamot, different spiritual worlds, and Kabbalah speaks about how God unfolds, this presence of God filters itself into this world in four, four different levels. The first one is called Atzilut, just pure divine emanation. And then it goes into Bria, the world of creation, where suddenly there is somewhat of an existence that can somewhat feel independent of just being part of God. And then Yitzira, formation. And then Asiya, Asiya is the physical world that we live. So it's, it, these different, these four filters, these four olamot is how God slowly, slowly conceals himself in order that now we can feel his presence, that we could relate to God without just being blown up by the magnitude. Atzilut, Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya. And therefore, Kabbalah says that when man is created, our highest level, our will, our fire element, corresponds to the level, the spiritual world of Atzilut. And then our next, our mind, our intellect, our wind level corresponds to the level of Bria. And then our emotions, our water element corresponds to the spiritual world of Yitzira, of formation. And finally, our physical world corresponds to the physical space that we're in, that is called the world of Asiya. And therefore, in the Kabbalistic prayer books, we find that as they're going through prayer, not only are they thinking about the journey into the temple and the, the journey inside of us, but they're also looking at it as this journey of elevation, moving from the lowest realm of Asiya, as we say, the morning blessings, into the world of Yitzira, as we say, the Suge de Zimra, into the world of Bria, as they say, the Shema, and then into the world of Atzilut when they say the Shemona Esrei. So again, it's another column. You know, it's, it's certainly a very, very far reach beyond probably where, you know, all of us are. But again, it's something good to have in mind because all of these things, even if we don't feel that we're on that level, just an awareness that this exists, just an awareness of this beautiful picture, man being a reflection of the spiritual world, the temple being a reflection of man, prayer being a reflection of the temple that is a reflection of man, that is a reflection of the spiritual world. Once we enter into prayer, 
with this big picture in mind, suddenly everything is so much more exciting and so much more meaningful. And it really can inspire us to feel close. And you space out in prayer, that's fine. You slowly, slowly focus your attention back and remind yourself one second, I'm standing where I'm standing, wherever it is, trying to reach for this highest place. So I hope that this makes sense. I hope that you're jotting this down. We'll have one more episode. Hope, hope to release it next week. Wishing everyone an inspiring day. And I hope that this is already having an effect on your prayer. Reach out. Let me know whether any of this makes sense to you. Let me know if you're loving this. Let me know if you're not enjoying this, if you're confused. And of course, if this is meaningful for you, please, you know what to do. Think about someone else that you're trying to inspire, someone else in your life, and send them an email and uh, let them know, hey, I think you should listen to the series because maybe something here will help you as it has helped me. Thank you all. Wishing everyone an inspiring day. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast and you can always go to rabbishlomo.com for more great content and resources and to connect directly with me.